Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bjorn Rolander, Michael Johnson, Henry Lee, and Mehdi Maltari to discuss how to be a great tech leader. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, we'll work our way around the room with some introductions. So Bjorn, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Bjorn Lander, Head of Engineering at Canby Sportsbook. Uh, been in this industry for 20 plus years. Um, seven years in the DevOps part of the industry. Now I'm basically it, thank you. Nice. Um, Michael, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yes, for sure. Uh, Michael Jonsson, uh, I work at the Ericsson uh, as an area product owner, developing 5G, the um, packet core area, the part sitting behind the, the radio side. I'm um, a huge hockey fan, uh, rooting for Frölunda, uh, the, the western team in, in Sweden. Thank you. Lovely. Henry, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yeah, my name is Henry Lee and I work as a CTO and uh, a part of the founding team of uh, the company Hypertype, which uh, specializes in advanced uh, AI to optimize your email writing. Uh, yeah, and before that, I was its CTO of Big Macs. Uh, I'm a person that loves to learn new things and also uh, do a lot of sports. Lovely, thank you. And last but not least, Mehdi. Hi everyone, I am Mehdi. I'm a software architect and uh, also product manager for one of the team in Flowbox. I came to Sweden about a year ago, year ago and prior to that I was in Malaysia. I was working in Malaysia. Uh, Flowbox is a UGC company that I'm uh, engaging with. It's quite a journey over that. And uh, I'm really big fan of movies as well as audiobooks, walking my dogs. Uh, this is uh, things that I really, uh, it's my hobby. Lovely. Thank you. Now that we've all got a context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you've all prepared a question to do with how to be a great tech leader. And as usual, we'll work our way around the room where you can ask each of your questions and give your thoughts on the others as well. So the first up is you, Henry, and you asked, what's the definition of a good tech leader and what should you expect of them? So tell us a bit more about your question. I mean, obviously I thought about this question because, uh, it's based on myself because I was very young when I was uh, becoming a CTO early in my career, in my stages. And it was a hard question. I mean, I was, I had two years of experience before I came, uh, became CTO of a quite big company and uh, handle a 
quite big uh, tech team. And then there I asked myself, what do I need to become a good tech leader? What does the team need from me? What's expected? And since I'm so much younger than mostly of them in my team, I asked this to myself, like uh, probably others has been experienced this as well. If they have been enough uh, as a tech leader or what's the definition of a good tech leader? So that's why I asked this question and super curious to hear from all of you here, uh, based on your experience and, and the ideas you have been having throughout your career. Um, I have one, one thing here when, the, when it comes to the, um, what it takes. And I think that the, the main thing in, in my view is that it, the focus should not be on, on you as the leader, right? It's sort of your role is to ensure that the focus is on everyone else, the that everyone else has what they need to to do the work that needs to get done, right? But how can I make the process easier, the development easier, the the solution more fitting? That sort of how 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 can I ensure that without putting focus on me? It's not for me to decide. It's for me to make sure a decision is made by the person that has the best knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, you go on bit. Yeah, I would, I would also agree. I mean, uh, uh, used to, I mean, mention it as a, a servant leader uh, to be, yeah, very listening, <laughs> talking less, listening more and, and be a like servant for the team and teams so so they can actually evolve and because they will probably have all, all the answers just with the right questions. Yeah, uh, I quite agree with both of you actually. And uh, like the good definition of leadership that I came across was the ability to inspire others to achieve shared objective. That is uh, the good definition that I came across. And uh, of course, the expectation and the definition, it really boils down what kind of organization we are talking about. Is it a startup organization? Is it enterprise organization? Uh, the atmosphere, it really uh, matter i say based on the, what kind of expectation uh you can have from the leader but being servant servant leader it is something that it's somehow uh fulfill the requirement in majority of the cases i would like to add on there as well one one big part is also that to sort of push your 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 peers to to speak up if there's something that they see is not working well or should be changed or so that, that it's sort of remove the, the hierarchies. You, you, I mean, the solution, the, the, the product, the, uh, it should be in focus. So if you have an idea, it's your responsibility to speak up and, and, and advocate for that idea, no matter where in the organization you are. And most often it comes from, from, um, uh, the teams, the, the the designers, the developers out there, that they have sort of the detailed knowledge and and sitting as a as, as a leader, you your your main job is to take in the 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 data from all of these and try to form some sort of uh, alignment, right? And that's then then you need to to listen to to those those uh, advocations for those those solutions and ideas. It's great, I. <clears throat> been reflecting what you all been saying and I couldn't agree 
more. Uh, I mean, basically, it's so important to get your team uh, working in synergy and really get the most out of them. And being the leader to listen, obviously, as Mikkel just mentioned, they have the detailed knowledge and you need to extract that knowledge to be able to uh, create something that generates uh, uh, towards the goal. So one of the major things that I think is expected from a good tech leader is to be, as Bjorn also mentioned, to be very listening and engage people within the team to be a part of the delivery uh, of the whole goal, uh, of course. And that's super important that everyone feels involved, engaged, and driven by the the big scope goal. Uh, so it's really getting them into uh, being engaged and also passionate about what to do. I think that's uh, the part that I have uh, been uh, taking with me, uh, giving person the, to inspire them, uh, as Mehdi said, but also like giving them engaged and driven all the time in those business questions as well. Lovely. We'll move on to the second question and it is yours, Bjorn. You asked, do you have to be a techie to be a good tech leader? So tell us more about your question. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it could be tricky. I mean, you could be, of course, a good leader without uh, knowing tech. But uh, since I'm mostly in, the, in that DevOps sphere or operations sphere from, some t- from time to time, uh, it, I have felt anyways that 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 leaders in that sphere that doesn't know tech that much or or infrastructure or whatnot in that sphere become a bit of distance from the team. So that's why I wonder how, if, if it's needed or if it's valued to be a good techie in that kind of in that sphere anyways, and, and probably in other sphere as well. If you're techie for a from a from a dev perspective, is it would it be better if you have been a developer before or not? Like, uh, as the name suggests, the tech lead supposed to have some technical knowledge, maybe not really techy and hands-on, but at least know the concept so it can communicate with the team effectively. Like, it's going to be challenging for the team. But at the end of the day, also we need to look at what kind of project we are looking at, especially for short-term and small project techie people can be more effective. But if you're looking at long run and really a project that requires synergy and really building the team, building the culture and taking the team to the different level, I always choose the person with the leadership ability over a techie person. But it boils down which kind of category we are really talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... that's... Always a down, yeah. And I, I agree with you. You, you that you're there is that you, you need. I mean, it becomes much easier if you have enough technical skill to sort of speak the same language or, or how we would call it with, with your, your developers, your, your teams, your experts. But I don't think it's a must. But it, it makes, makes it a, a bit easier. I mean, in, in the end, you need to trust your, your experts to, to tell you how something uh, how a solution should look like so if if you had to choose between someone that is sort of can make can can trigger change can trigger the drive the solution and someone that knows tech i would say i, I would pick the, the the driver because then you have because you already have your experts 
in your organization, in, in, in your solution setup that, that can make the other happen. But if you can get at least part of the tech, tech knowledge in there, it's going to make life easier and you can sort of make the alignment, the, the, the solution better from a holistic view, I would say. And I agree with Mikkel. I mean, it's personally, okay, all we get uh, as a consultants or anything. I mean, the most important thing is to understand, uh, for me, from my side, is to understand the goal and where, how do you use this expert to reach those goals uh, and to be understanding from a uh, overview perspective. But yeah, it's a Thanks. really interesting question uh, because uh, what what we say in there, Bjarni, it's like it's really from case to case. I mean, you can be working in a tech stack and then you change company and there's a totally different tech stack and architecture that is from, you know, the, the beginning of 19th century centuries to 20th centuries. It's like a big, huge different. I came that across right now because uh, it's a really interesting question. I work only with like old programming language before and now I jump into this new company which I'm working right now it's like really advanced and 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 more modern technology which I haven't been counting before and it's really interesting it's it's, it's a lot of what uh, Mikkel says you have to trust your experts and uh, navigate through it so it's really interesting question yeah thanks um, I think I mean in, in I noticed a couple of times different places that I mean that the the tech leaders that aren't they become a bit distant from the team from time to time, which which could be a potential problem. And, and that's why I asked this question. That's also a, a point of view because, uh, yeah, uh, it's important as if you get feeling get, getting distance, like it's totally re- corresponding to how passionate you are about to learn about the tech stack and how passionate you are about to integrate with your tech team because it's one thing uh, as a leader, you can either engage or not engage that will probably decide the distance between it but uh, as long as you're passionate and engage i think distance will always be close because then they feel like you want to be part of the team and and always uh yeah being just being there for them yep. and, all right Lisa. sorry uh i uh, i agree with henry it's uh really important to show the curiosity as a leader and engage with the rest of the team then they have a sense of value that hey you are you care about and showing that sense of curiosity does not necessarily require for you to know a to z of that technology but just showing that you are really care to know it make a huge difference and i just want to add on top of of what you're saying because i I fully agree it's sort of if you're Becoming distance. I mean, when, when, just take take the example. I, I a year and a half ago, I started a new area that I knew nothing about. It's sort of it's still in the telecom, but it's an area of the telecom business that okay, it was the first time I went into this area. And beginning, I need to trust my experts. Um, depend on them extremely much due to that. I I don't have any technical skills in this area, but. I need to learn about that. I need to learn the products, the solutions. I need to sort of dig into the code and check it out. I mean, I'm not doing the coding myself, but to be able to understand the problems, the, the how it looks, so that I, I get a bigger knowledge so I can have an area where I can have to speak the same language as my experts. But at the same time, I expect 
our, our experts, our, our developers to move the other direction, that they need to understand the customer situation, the changes that we need to have. So we get a bigger overlap where we can sort of interact. So it's, we need to move towards each other, but still keep keep our, our basis in, in in our areas, the business versus the, the, the technology side of it. That make those those interactions happen more often on, on a on a more deeper level or by sort of moving towards the others in the area, so to speak. Has anyone else got any other thoughts or ideas? No? Lovely. Well, Mehdi, we'll move on to your question next. And you asked, what values should a team leader have and why? So tell us a bit more about yours. In, uh, recently, I was uh, going through one uh, LinkedIn uh, course leading like a CEO by Jeff Weiner. He was the CEO of LinkedIn for, uh, I believe, 11 years, and he's executive chairman on, uh, for LinkedIn now. It was really, really interesting uh, material over there that they was talking about the leadership in different levels. And there, what I came across, leadership value uh, and how it should be aligned with the personal value and company value if you want to really bring the organization to the next level. Uh, that's why I bring out this question that from your perspective, when you really want to go and choose a take lead, what kind of value t- uh, you take into consideration and why? I, I wrote down a couple of, of the sort of values that I, I think it's needed. I mean, the first one I wrote down here is this sort of, you need to have empathy. You need to feel with your teams. What are sort of, uh, what, what, what drives them? What is the sort of their, their views what this what do they need help with so we need to have that empathy and to be able to get that you need to the second part here in my um, in this area is you need to have listening skills so i mean maybe that's not a value per se but you need to be able to listen ears first mouth later right that's uh, <laughs> yeah but on on top of that, I think also the, the the drive to change i mean so you can make the needed changes you need to know how to make those happen based on on your your organization's needs yeah i think this uh, question is really interesting because uh, i worked in a uh, big company and a startup i think uh, it differs but definitely those four values that i really uh, take with me and and still have is of course uh, empowerment and development i always strive to empower uh, my colleagues to to try new stuff, to to uh, not be afraid to fail, because when you when you fail, you learn and you grow. And when you grow, it will both be a benefit for your personality and but for the company as well, because it somehow uh, gives uh, trust to your uh, employees to dare to fail, to dare to learn new things, and not being afraid to just stay inside there. Uh, you can say the safety zone. I want them to go out their safety zone to to learn things. So empowerment, development, always bringing close. And a little bit what uh, Mikkel also said, uh, being like empathy, uh, feeling for them, hear, listen. But connected to that is respect. I think uh, a lot of what Mikkel said earlier about hierarchy, I don't like hierarchy at all. So a tech leader should be 
uh, as important as a junior developer because I see the team as, a, you can say, a football team. Everyone is equally important. And I don't like that uh, someone should show more respect to another because of a title. It's super important that everyone is respected, even the title or what position, because without them, we cannot uh, run as fast. We cannot, we are lacking people to run toward the goal in a fast pace. So everyone is as equally important. And then I mentioned this before, uh, if you're being a good tech leader, I think at least the value she should have is being passionate and having commitments. I think uh, in my spare time, as for now, I'm working in a very advanced AI company and I don't have the, like you could say, like the detailed, detailed knowledge, but at least I read about it. I read about the tech stack that we're using, being passionate and like trying to figure out new perspective or solution to use in our product that we actually building today. Uh, so uh, with that said, the last thing I want to bring as a very, very, very important value is the communication. I think a good leader must have good communication, being transparent, uh, being like real and just like having a really good communication inwards the team and outwards the team. You have to understand what the team is saying to be able to translate it so good that you can communicate outwards, uh, outside of the team, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with, with what you said as well. I mean, to be both, I mean, empathic, I think that's very important to, to, to show that every, I mean, and even you are human. So I, I mean, be a bit, it. I mean, I noticed before, if you are the one that can actually show some kind of emotions, you are, uh, could be vulnerable as anybody else, then, then you lower the, you, the, it gets easier for everyone to trust you to see that you're not on top and you're not something that's unreachable or something like that. So you should be there. Um, one of my favorite values in, in general is accountability. You are there, you're accountable for your action and for your team's action. So you if something goes sideways, which it ha which of course happens, uh, then you're the one that stands there and says, oh, but that's not a problem. You can take the blame uh, and have, of course, be very blameless and for, for, for the team. So I think those are, that's probably one of my, the, the, the one I appreciate most, that most times it's accountability from all parts. When you say that uh, this accountability, that this had this, safe trust trusting environment i mean it, it makes me think about what, one of the things that that you want to try to do is that we fail together we succeed together sort of remove this this that we have different agendas different goals different targets i mean if if one area is is, is running faster than the other there's we need to f make sure that okay then we need to realign so that this the the more problematic situations handle helping each other out so that we, we help each other to so that the full solution gets the to the to that goal that we try to uh, to come to so common goals then that that unites us so that i cannot solve my goal without your input and vice versa so we are make each other uh, dependent on on one another yep those was uh, really really nice uh interesting values that you bring up uh, on top of it what i would 
say it's nice value to have is leading by example, like good leaders instead of just telling people how to do this, they try to be a really good example. They are like open, honest, and constructive. Like these are the values that bring the team to the next level. Just when they look at the leader, they follow the same suit. And also the inspiration, inspiring the uh, team. It's one of the things that I feel like it's among the really important values that a leader should have. And it make or break the team, I can say. Nice. I'm just going to piggyback on Mehdi's question as well and ask the question to you guys. What if your values don't align with either your team or the business? How would you overcome those challenges? It depends. It really, really depends whether we are talking about the fundamental values of the organization. Because like, if it's really organization value and you have a really good resource that does not uh, a culture fit, it is not a culture fit. It is kind of clear cut that, hey, let's say accountability or responsibility or honesty is uh, among our core values. That is something that you you should have that uh, crucial conversation with the person that, hey, this is the core value of the organization, whether you need to get aligned or we cannot work together. But if it's a values that it's supposed to work on it, build it, mentor it, and like nurture it, it is something that you can work on. It is my two cents. I, I, I was... Yeah, I mean, if, if if the core values are sort of misaligned, yeah, it, it's obviously a problem. But I think everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses. And and as a tech leader, is sort of how can you utilize the strengths and sort of while we're building on, 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 the, on the weaknesses, improving there, but how can you utilize each, each person's uh, strengths? And that includes the leaders themselves, right? Doesn't mean... As long as we are aware of our weaknesses, uh, we can sort of find ways to handle those so they they stay contained, and then we can build on 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 the um, on, on the strengths and make sure that they benefit the the teams, the organization, the product, the solution, the customer. So how how to ensure that that uh, reaches the full full potential of, of those. Uh, of those strings that you have nice i know i threw that question into you as an unexpected one <laughs> i'm just checking you're all still awake <laughs> but no thank you um and last we'll move on to you michael um and you asked how do you best give autonomy to your teams and how transparent should a tech leader be so tell us more about your question um i mean i strongly believe in the this, uh, three pillars that sort of builds uh motivation in this moment it's mastery you need to be able to be allowed to be great at what you do uh, you need to have purpose why are we doing this does it but what's the meaning of it and then the, the, the last one is that you need to have autonomy when I mean, you need to be able to decide your own fate so to speak you need to have a, your own area that you drive that you have the autonomy to change it if you see see the need for it and how do you get that to your to your 
teams, to your developers, to your experts, so that they have the autonomy, but to, to make the changes needed, but still keep an alignment. And then a part of that then becomes also as a technical leader, you're overwhelmed with information. How do you provide that information to the, to the teams without sort of overwhelming them? Because they need, need information to make the right decisions, the good decision for the product organization. But there's this balance that needs to be handled there. That, that's sort of the background of my question. Uh, it is quite an interesting question, actually. Uh, and I had some thoughts about it. But, uh, I could see you, you have a point, uh, we have abundance of information nowadays. And if you just keep the transparency that providing all the information to the team, so many of those are noise and distracted instead of being constructive is sometimes becoming destructive. But, uh, there are some, uh, factors here that really important to know what kind of team we are talking about. Are they really, what is the level of seniority, uh, whether the autonomy, it make them, make them or break them sometimes. And, uh, whether like they are accountable, responsible, or the level of accountability and responsibility also is something that, and uh, it play plays important role for autonomy. Uh, last but not least. How well the organization or the team lead define their mission and vision? Are they clear that what needs to be done? In that case, the more autonomy, the more clear they ha uh, they are on the mission and vision, the more autonomy is gonna be helpful. And the less clear they are, the more autonomy gonna be uh, really confusing for them. Like uh, there is an interesting quote from Bill Gates. The vision is really about empowerment, uh, empowering workers, giving them all the information about what's going on so they can do a lot more than they have done in the past. It's like explicitly giving you advice to give as much as information. But on the other side of the spectrum, this, there is this Nobel Prize in economic, uh, Harvard Simon have another quote about information, which is interesting. Uh, he called, he, uh, the quote goes like this, what information consumes is rather obvious. Information consumes the attention of its recipients. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention and a need to allocate that attention among the overabundance of information that might consume it. it uh, sometimes it's better that the info, when the information is not relative, not provided because it's really uh, this uh, it's going to be destructive for them and sometimes they feel like it's something important that they need to know about it and they spend a lot of time to figure out the things that was not really relevant uh, and yeah that is my point of view yeah i think that's this is a really key question because it's very broad in in some in some sense I mean, of course, you want to give them as much information as possible all the time. I mean, to all teams, to to everybody in the, in the, in the company. But you also have the aspect of maybe the way you're saying it, maybe not adhere to the 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 way they are uh, listening. I mean, you can, what do you say? You can say the same thing in seven different ways or whatever. That's 
it's very hard to get everybody's attention. Uh, but of course, give as much as you as you can. Uh, and I mean, you can probably filter off the, the thing that's less important. Uh, but yeah, uh, still autonomy. That's also tricky. I mean, from a from a pure tech, you can make it autonomous by having all teams be able to do the things they need from a technical perspective by themselves, uh, uh, which is important, of course, if you want that. I mean, if you want to, want everything to be smooth uh, and people and team can can do their work themselves. But I think also quite important to that the teams between themselves set up contracts so, so it doesn't get too fluent. So you have a contract on what you're delivering and so everybody knows what, what you sh should do and you know what the, the, the teams around you, what, so they know what you are doing. So, so it's not so questionable on, on how the contract looks like. Um, otherwise, it, it could be really, really broad, I think. Interesting. Yeah, I have um, something from my to tackle this question uh, from you, Mikhail. I mean, uh, it's it's a very broad question, but uh, here's I used to do, or I think it's a good approach, but not is not pliable on every scenario. But uh, to understand the big picture goal, I used to probably mostly often divide them into smaller goals, epics as you call them, and then of course again passion and uh, commitment to let the developers understand uh, what's the uh, big goal and all, big business goal and also all these epics coming in line in a roadmap and then I usually engage them so much that uh, together we form some kind of measurement where we can measure maybe the KPI or some other outcome for example it doesn't need to be API KPIs all, all the time it could be OKRs it could be uh, it could be uh, maybe tester experience that they rate the product out from one to 10. And basically uh, after every development or uh, we add a new feature or whatever we add, uh, we always do our retrospective to to try to get better and to be a more autonomously uh, improve the team in every aspect. I think it's also for the developers to get into the game, understand, okay, I'm a part of this product. I'm a part of this goal. How can I make it even better what it is? And again, back to the value asset, commitment, passion, uh, the passion that I want these developers to have, or at least getting them to understand, like uh, have the men mental mentality to think that you are also contributing a very big part. And by that, I think it's very easy, at least from my experience, to get them uh, more uh, want to out autonomously uh, improve and uh, the de development or the process they're working with uh, and it's very nice because then suddenly I have three to four persons in the team that want to uh, talk about improvement and, and ultimate uh, things and as you mentioned already it's super hard to not distract your developers because so many information come in it's overwhelming but you need to be a filter so what's more important right now and what's more important to tell your team you have to like filter out noises i think it was Bjorn who said that uh, and just making them focus on on the thing that matters 
because there will always be complaints, uh, stuff that will come in. But how do you uh, like package it and then uh, discuss it with your team in a more efficient way? I think uh, that is also one one tricky thing to do based on how transparent a good, uh, how transparent a good tech lead, leader should be. Thank you. A lot of good input here, and it's a, it's a food for thought uh, to, to take in. But uh, Henry, what you bring up here last, it's sort of uh, that you need to be a filter beyond you mentioned it as well. That one thing on top of that, maybe I'm thinking maybe you can portion out the information at certain times so you don't, because it's a constant flow of information that, that is coming in. And to not break that attention, that focus that uh, you need and uh, also to, to be able to be innovative in, uh, in, in, in the building the solution, maybe you want to have certain times when you provide that information. Here we meet up and and, uh, and sort of give the, the long-term view or the customer input that uh, came in lately and, and so on. So that, but I, I would say maybe that's one way to do it, but I also like what you, what you all bring up is that the focus should be on, on, the, on the engagement, the, the interaction, that if you speak often, you understand each other better, right? So it's, um, but on top of that, you need that, that vision, that strategy that sets the possibility to have the, the common view of where we're heading and still have the autonomy. So in a, in an organization where we can have that autonomy from, from, uh, from the developers, from the teams, you need to be very focused on, on the goal setting, the, the vision and, and the strategy, how to reach those, those targets, because then at some point we are aligning exactly direction. Maybe it's not the critical part, but that we're going in the same area. And then when it comes to those details and then we wrap it up, right? It's sort of, it's a lot of focus on, on that common goals, fail together, succeed together. Right. So it's a, thank you. Thank you for all of those, the good inputs here. It's a lot of thoughts. It's a great question. I, I think it's uh, different from situation to situation, but yeah, of course, uh, it's 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 a very indeed uh, interesting question. Tricky. Thought we could end on a challenging one. <laughs> um, we've got some time now. If anyone's got any other thoughts or questions that they want to ask each other, I have a question for all of you. Uh, how? What's the in your perspective? What's the optimized team size you like to work with? How many people in that team? I would go. I mean, from. from team size since I'm a huge fan of mob mob programming I would say a team size of four is optimal from a lot of perspective uh, you could be less you could be more but uh, on uh, then we, if we have the whole broad perspective if you you take in people may need to be on call and you you don't want to be too many but I would say four in, in a mob team anyways. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, mob is absolutely a favorite of mine. Uh, very interesting question because I mean, I think it comes down to a lot of what baggage gets with your, your development. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm working in, at, at Ericsson, uh, huge products. I think we're four and a half thousand persons in, in our department and, um, 
and been there, the product's been there for, for 20 plus years and so on. So it comes with a lot of maintenance, a lot of handling things that from the past that needs to be handled here now, problem reports, etc. And with that, if you are for maybe some part of that development team just evaporating to, to maintenance, right? Uh, so in my view, maybe six, seven is, is a more, more, more fitting, but I would say that that also goes for, for some leadership teams. If you are smaller than that, maybe you also disappear a bit, but more than six, seven girl too big to, to sort of handle all, all person's uh, input. Yeah. Uh, I quite agree with you both. Uh, four to seven is optimal size for the team. And uh, it's pretty good that they can communicate more often because if the team is too small, it's you cannot call it the team below three, right? And if it's too big, sometimes it's hard to uh, make that bonding between the team and uh, communicate effectively. Make sure that things are uh, like the synergy it's quite there. It's much more difficult if it's go beyond eight people. Yeah, then you probably end up with uh, teams within the team. Exactly. Uh, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's uh, probably different from from uh, organization to organization. But yeah, basically, why I want to bring up this because I have have any one of you seen this communication lines of communication? It's an article that they wrote about the team size. Like, uh, if you have five people in a team, there will be I think it was ten lines of communication. So we five here could be could build uh ten lines of communication because I can talk to Mikkel to a separate line. I can talk to Bjorn a separate line. I can talk to Alvin se- second li- uh, uh, different line and maybe or not so that would be five then multiplies five so it's like it's a lot of communications between people and those increase the more people get in the team so for one team member increase i think by six or seven and then just start growing 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 so the communication can be lost and it can be uh, lost in translation so i was just thinking about uh, yeah your experience and your thoughts on this and it's really interesting because i i have experienced that working with teams in 12 divided by two, so it's six, six, and also talk, work with team as, as small as four now. And I really see the difference in communication uh, of these type of teams that actually just six and four. So it's really interesting to, to hear what you had to say as well uh, and your thoughts on this. But definitely it's, it's getting harder and harder the more people you get in the team, of course. Has anyone else got any other questions they'd like to ask? No? Beyond that was a really good thinking face then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lovely. We'll leave it there then. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Bjorn, Michael, Henry and Mehdi for providing your insights into the topic. And thank you to the listeners as well. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.